afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. I am talking to Seth Rodney and Stephen Fullwood. It's a full house today, so gentlemen, good to see you, talk to you. Good to see you, talk to you. Hey, how's Stephen. it going? Uh, pretty good. So today's topic is going to be uh, a skit. Uh, Seth or Stephen, who put the skit out? Comedy Central. It's Comedy Central, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and it's called, the skit is The Blackening, and I, I'll i let one of you set it up, and we can kind of dive in and, and take it apart and chat about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, Stephen. I think you have a pretty good uh, grasp of what it's doing. <laughs> That's funny. I'm volunteering you. All right, I apologize. I'll just do it. All right. That is so funny. So, it's, right. like hot, that. it's like right. hot so, potato. Right. Okay, it's so basically, he's, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. So um, the blackening is a like, what is it? Three, four minute long skit on Comedy Central. It's a satirical look at blackness through the lens of a um, a horror movie. And so what you have is you have a group of black people running from a white killer, and one slips and falls, and they just leave them. They run into a house, and they're, why do we do this? Why are we doing this? And the first line that comes out is like. You know, black people shouldn't be out camping. You know, black people don't camp. This is black mm. karma. And from there, <laughs> it kind of grows more and more ridiculous. And it's, it's a cornucopia of stereotypes. And it's just, it's, it's very funny. It's very in-house and outside of the house. So what my friend would call behind-the-counter talk. And so how's that for a setup? Yeah, and I just want to add that one of the things this kid trades on is our knowledge, I guess inside knowledge, of mm-hmm. how horror movies work, right? There's this sort of um, right. mm-hmm. this sort of a cliche trope of the lone killer um, who's <laughs> picking people off one by one, uh, or the lone killer sort of vis-a-vis the Saw series who gives people a puzzle to solve in order to not die. And this is what and happens. Go ahead. Doesn't it confound him that that uh, that they're all black too? Isn't that like one of the the premises of the skit too? Since yes. they don't they don't have the token black person to kill right the, the, right, at right, the right in the beginning or what have you right yes. precisely. Uh-huh. So that's one of the cliches of the of the Hollywood genre, uh, rather the horror movie genre, um, and it trades on those. And then what it does is it switches lanes in a sense. You know, I mean, it keeps going with this sort of riffing on the our cultural knowledge of how horror movies, typical horror movies work, at least in the U.S., and switches mm-hmm. lanes to looking at how our cultural understanding of blackness works in tandem mm-hmm. with that, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the tropes, I guess, um, or metaphors that come up are, well, you know, what makes a person black? Uh, or that's, right. Well, that's the, main, that's the main one, right? Like, what, well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name was shot? Well, he's like, no, 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 I was shot and, running and towards the danger. I'm the whitest person this in is, here. Kind of, and just for the, so for, the, for, the, for, the, for the listeners, so the premise is that the killer agrees to just kill one of them mm-hmm. uh, because he's, mm-hmm. he's confounded by the number of uh, black people camping. And so they have kind of a black off to see who <laughs> is, to see who is the, the, the <laughs> the blackest amongst them, All right. Funny term, um, yes. and and this is what leads to the riff that Seth is uh, explaining. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. So Travis, your take on it was that you questioned the degree to which a character's blackness is something that can be put on and taken off. Um, yeah, I'm, go ahead. Essential blackness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this was, I mean, your questions are sort of what, I think what provoked that 
in a positive sense because you mm-hmm. had a, a pretty um, uh, sober uh, view of some of the tropes that the skit was trading in, you know, this, I, the one you just brought up about like, you know, black people running, don't run towards the danger kind right, of thing. Right, and right. you had a, and you sort of were kind of taking apart what, uh, what does that imply about blackness in America in the 21st century? Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so uh, what I was struck by was, um, the lightness with which they were able to, uh, dawn or remove uh, their their stereotypical black comportments, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever, mm-hmm. however they happened to wear their blackness was something that they were able to disavow or switch very almost in a sort of trickster sense. Very the the one that always jumps mm-hmm. to mind, the, the one that jumped to mind for me. Um, though I, I do agree the running towards the danger was quite funny. I, I actually, I took that as a poke at white America, actually, kind of on the the sort of, like, chest-thumping, like, run towards the danger sort of. And, and not to, mm-hmm. you know, anyone that's listening, I'm, I am not anti, you know, police or fire department. I think people that I think do, that do those... That, <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, but I, I, I don't... I, I'm very cautious to undermine bravery, just like basic mm. human bravery. And so even mm-hmm. if you get paid to be brave, that's still a kind of bravery. So I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna glibly undercut that. That's why I qualify. I actually it. thought and the, your qualification I felt was interesting because we were talking about a movie or a film rather than actual real life. And so when you said that, were you thinking that people were mm. conflate the two? Yeah. Well, I think they are conflated, right? I mean, how do we how do we imagine the people that are running towards the danger? We do this through the lens of media and the kind mm, of okay. the hero tropes that we trade on. But the one to, to get back. So what you so you guys can jump in. The one that I thought was funny was is she jumps out like, well, I watch the Gilmore Girls, like oh, one, one of them, <laughs> which, which I thought was hilarious uh, because because there are things that are so, like. They're they're also calling out, uh, I mean, obviously calling out a kind of whiteness, right? I mean, the, some of the things they're listing are like the whitest of the white things, right? And like having a dog kiss you on the mouth, like I, like yes. that's, <laughs> that shit is. I, I have to say, like, I don't, I can't actually, I can, I'm not actually going to say that that's a kind of whiteness only, or rather, I want to say only insofar as it is really kind of correlated with a kind of bourgeois status as well because only bourgeois mm. people allow that bullshit to happen so like, I, just, <laughs> I don't know and that's no. interesting you said bourgeois and you don't qualify it as racially because i've started to see black people do it yeah that's what Whereas i'm saying before i did yeah that's what and i'm so saying that, yeah that's yeah what i thought you were getting that okay yeah 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 no i, 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 I see that it's class inscribed but you know it it, it kind of it, it goes both ways right like it, it's not a mm-hmm. it's not a stationary target um I love the fact that, um, and here we're just gonna get a little bit ghetto right now. Um, I love the fact. I love the hard R. I I love that. She's like nigger. (laughs) The hard R is funny. Hilarious! Come on, that's hilarious. She's like it is. It is. It's very. Go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. No, I'm just saying it is very funny, and it makes me think. See, I feel like it was interesting that they're in a circle, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. perceived to be a circle, and it's a hot potato. Blackness is a hot potato. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's just enough window space for people to kind of open the door and look in and say, oh, this is interesting. 
but they're really, you know, obviously they're talking to themselves and they're also winking at the black audience. Right. Because mm-hmm. the hot sauce that just became a little bit more recent with right. uh, Beyonce and Hillary Clinton. But that I, wasn't I have really... to say, I didn't actually know that one. So, like, I felt I was I was okay. able to kind of traffic in most of the tropes. Like, okay, I get, I'm all... But the hot sauce one, I just straight up didn't know that. I had no idea that this was a... Uh, a stereotype. Mm-hmm. But breaking up in stereotypes here, in a way, that's what they're doing. Like, there's some black people who don't know that or do that. This That feels not just generational for the moment, but it's it's an interesting sort of black people always put hot sauce on everything. And it's mm. just, I mean, I didn't put hot sauce on everything when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm just thinking about that and thinking about how satire just makes us look at something that's really, really painful and difficult and mm. makes you laugh. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty, I mean, I love that the line, gay is just whiteness wrapped up in dicks. Catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. <laughs> and just a little bit of sass. Right. That's the guy that they end up sacrificing, which right. I thought was really funny. He voted for Trump. He had to die. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yes. <laughs> so it, I feel like it's, it's, it's a great teacher for satire. I think it's, it's very nuanced. It's funny. It gives me... Everything I'm looking for, it doesn't, it doesn't pander. It doesn't pander, and it doesn't um, talk mm. down to anyone. Either you know what they're talking about, or you don't. Right, and, and I, I like that. And about, I, and, uh, and I mm-hmm. do think that, that uh, one of the great things about the effectiveness of this kind of satire is that it, it is actually kind of, in some ways, multicultural. It's cross-cultural, right? Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. like, if you're a white kid growing up in Brentwood and you like rap, you get the hard R thing. Like you, absolutely. you absolutely get you that, right? You understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your life might depend on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? mm. So they're just things that you know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's it's cultural, it's funny, and it's almost like it's overdue. Like it felt like this thing should have existed a while ago. True. In so terms it, of its, it, is mm-hmm. the skit a fair marker of uh, cultural progress on uh, the racial front? Hmm. Wow. I don't hmm. think so. But I'm answering really quickly before thinking, but that was the first answer that came out of my mouth. <laughs> it just feels more like a... Go ahead, Seth, because I'm still marinating okay. on this. Okay, issue. so uh, my yeah. my response is to essentially support what Stephen's initial re- reaction is. But to add to that, I'll say that it's not a measure so much of progress as it is a measure of cultural understandings that have been percolating below the surface that now have the kind of platforms and the kinds of audiences. I mean, I don't think that you could have done this thing before, let's say, um, Issa Rae had her uh, series on YouTube and then had her, um, I think it's on cable now. I think there's a way in which We've cultivated the culture, and I say we, I say we, I'm meaning the people who watch really good TV and care about it. I really think that this is mm. part of the television revolution, and what, what's happened is that people who have great stories to tell have mm-hmm. finally have the apparatuses, the, the platforms through which to tell them. So, hmm. so now it, this this is that a let form me just of finish. Progress? I'm sorry. What? Okay. Yeah, I I feel like you're describing progress. Uh, like so that the the reason that hmm. I mean I I actually tr- I track everything that you said. I totally agree. Like I it's not. I'm sure these sort of jokes or this kind of play on blackness, as you just said, percolating under the surface. I'm sure in in your own close group of friends that might have been a line uh, of humor. 
15 years ago, 20 years ago, no problem. Right. But the fact Way that back. that the, the fact that that can, yeah, and, and 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 of course even further back than that. But the fact that that can be done out in the open now mm-hmm. and that it doesn't it doesn't diminish one's status it doesn't one doesn't feel quite so threatened culturally i'm talking purely culturally i'm not talking about uh, economic progress i'm not talking about okay. any of that stuff i'm just talking yeah, about in the culture in the symbolic realm yeah. that there's a little bit more latitude around what can and can't be said about one's uh, blackness or Asianness or fill in the blankness hmm. um, that that couldn't have been done ten years ago um, or fifteen years ago or you know c- it kind of picked the the year so right but I think it's go ahead Stephen I'm sorry go ahead mm-hmm. I completely apologize Seth go ahead no 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 I mean <laughs> okay so w- when it comes to access like that's when you were talking Seth that's what I thought immediately I was like well it sounds like you're describing access right. But I've been tracking black humor for a while now in terms of the forms, mm. not just in, in all kinds of media. And so when you think of the Richard Pryor show or you think about Mom making these mm. records and you just continue to go back, that humor mm. has already has been in existence for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I think about shows like In Living Color or even shows, more contemporary <coughs> shows, where they go through, you can't say that on television or you can't say that, Comedy Central has always been a little bit moving in the direction of comedy at all costs versus mainstream television. I think about who's going to access this, and I think the access point for me would be the internet, people sharing this over and over again. This is how you and I got it, Seth, through our friend mm-hmm. Mingus. Precisely. And so I think of that access in that way might be different, and that could be seen as a form of progress, but I'm not... Yeah, I don't think of it in any other way as progress, but I was just trying to track it. My initial objection was humor and satire... They're always around. They've always been around. It's like, well, who gets to see it? Who even understands it? I would love to read more about it on the internet, about you know, people who got it, who thought it was funny. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So you know, that, just as a that's, measure. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely why I have a problem also thinking about it in terms of it being a kind of metric of, of a kind of um, even social uh, or cultural. No, cultural is the word you use. Cultural progression. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, like Stephen, feel that what this is indicative of is a kind of, again, the word I want to use is a kind of new audience because this humor was around for a long time from precisely yeah. from the days of Richard Pryor and before. I mean, even yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> um, um, comics that preceded him. But what happens and what has happened now is that there's an audience that is willing to pay. Literally, they, pay, they, they will subscribe to services like HBO, Showtime, Comedy Central to get this mm-hmm. kind of humor. And, mm-hmm. I, and I feel that with, especially particularly through uh, uh, skits like these being shared on social media, that audience expands so, or mm-hmm. has expanded. So it feels to me more like, honestly, it's just a kind of um, monetization that hasn't happened before. Go ahead. I know for Stephen that was sizzling, but for me, like, yeah, great, good. Sp- spread them, that's great. Spread, 
So, yeah, spread the money. It's all it's all always monetized. Like the entire like civilization wouldn't exist without money. Like I don't lucre doesn't scare me. Like it doesn't like the the pursuit of wealth to the exclusion of other principles is of course monstrous as any abstraction to the exclusion of other qualifying principles is monstrous. So it doesn't. I, I, in in that way, so the, 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 I think what I would I, I would I, so I simultaneously want simultaneously want to qualify my earlier point and then mm-hmm. also push a little bit more because I totally blanked on in living color. You're absolutely right. In living color, uh, use that all the time. I mean, Dave Chappelle, that's like a decade ago now. So right. yeah, I, right. I mean, so so really, there was a little bit of historical ignorance going on on my part. So so let me let me concede that, but then also toss back. What then can we call progress? Hmm. Again, now I know what we can call it in, in you know, in economic terms and, and in fair housing and all that kind of stuff. So I, again, I, I want to strongly bracket that. But in the cultural realm, hmm. what else are we, what other metric are we going to use other than people of color being able to make money producing cultural mm. productions for people of color. Isn't hmm. that... That's like looking at capitalism as it's not at the structure, but not really having the imagination or the thought to really kind of push it and say, what does progress look like? Does it look like black people having more jobs, having more houses, more... I push back on that thinking mm. that progress isn't going to look like money, I think, in this nation. But I think mm. that that's the metric we constantly use as yeah. what racial <laughs> progress looks like. And I think it's a pretty unfair one. I think it's also very mm. limited. You know, um, I was thinking earlier when you were talking, I said, all lives, Matt, all lives, all lives, you know, the joke <laughs> with the, the black and the, I was like, is that progress? You know, and I think that's, that's how I see that's capitalism. Right. That's how I see capitalism. I feel like unregulated capitalism, possibly I can get on board with that. But this is, you know, this is just free range. I hate to use that phrase, free range. It's a, um, yeah, it's capitalism just seems to be devouring people. And I think that that, I push back on that as a mm. measure of, mm. and I mean, you may not even be fully saying that. I think, mm. but no, I I'm do. not. Uh, so, but but yeah. I, I I take your point. But but you mm. know what? I want to complicate this because we've we now we've gone down this path. Why don't we? What? How do we think about the success of um, Jordan Peele's film, which was called "Help Me Out Here." Get, get, uh, get, get out. out. Right. How do we think mm-hmm. about, because we do think about Get Out as progressive, right? Because I know I do. Um, mm-hmm. but, we, but we don't necessarily think about, but, or rather we do think about Black Panther as progressive, but in a slightly different way. And I, I want to say that's kind, these are two examples of where our, I think, notions of progress perhaps diverge. Or, or, because Black Panther was enormously economically, financially successful. And what it does now is it says to more than just people, uh, the audience composed of people of color, it says to everyone, Mm -hmm. you can tell black stories, quote unquote, black stories Mm -hmm. and make tons of money. You can do this, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. in some circles at least, that seems as some kind of progress. And and I think Stephen's right in pointing out that that kind of unregulated, or rather un- uh, uncritical view of financial windfall is problematic, and 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 we could get into that. But then look at Get Out. I think that Get Out was progressive in another way. It was hugely successful. But it was, what it yeah. did was it told white people about themselves. 
And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. having that kind of story, because this story, this skit, uh, The Blackening, is really kind of insular. I mean, it's really about black Very. people sort of like working out mm. blackness, like having the black off among themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Get Out was outward facing. It was saying, look at what white, look at the shit mm-hmm. that white people will do to the black body. And it was mm-hmm. still enormously successful. So I think they're kind of two different models of progress mm-hmm. that get at that question of how, uh, how, how our notion of social progress becomes coupled with uh, capitalism and maybe can become uncoupled from it. Uh, Wakanda forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I, so I guess... At a certain level, I'm just I'm a little less suspicious of just kind of basic human greed, right? Okay. Not 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 mm. soup not supercharged human greed. Like I'm pretty mm. I'm pretty suspicious of that, and I'm and I'm worried about it. But sort of basic human greed and kind of the enticements to uh, material prosperity is rarely just material prosperity for you. It's material, it's material prosperity for your community. Now your community may be small. It may be your family. It may be your circle of friends. It may be, you know, construed in a larger sense, but I, I see these. Now, the other thing is I may be, I'm slightly less bullish on whether I think this is a breakout moment for Mm -hmm. black America because there have been other moments where black culture has risen to the top in this way and has commanded a great deal of attention. Um, and it ends up receding and being swallowed again. So Roots. Roots, uh, uh, roots is a fantastic example. Uh, mm. James Baldwin, w- Baldwin was a major celebrity. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, black exploitation yeah. films. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not Bill Cosby in the in the 80s, the Cosby show. So it's not as if there haven't been kind of apex uh uh, culture. <laughs> there, there have been uh, people at the top of the cultural heap that are non-white. It's mm. just that it ends up being subsumed yet again. Mm. In I mean, I would say. I mean, look at the election, right? I mean, mm. I, I mean, if there isn't a if there isn't like a whiplash moment to show that the fact that a black person can rise to the top of American culture and then that move that movement be swallowed whole by the re- by the reaction by the whiplash from the culture at large so i and then i'd like you guys to jump in but i i am less confident that it's a breakout moment for black america that being said what other metric are we to use other than cultural prominence in this field and its ability to make money for themselves and for their audiences I mean, it's an actual question mark there. What What are you guys... What are like, the metric, yeah. It's a good, yeah, it's a good what, question. Yeah. What else are we tossing out there? Mm. Seth? Yeah. Take I, this? I feel you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you, Stephen. So I'm, I would venture to say the thing that I know is easily going to be knocked down, but I'll say it anyway, which is <laughs> our prowess in academic scholarship. Mm. That has mm-hmm. actually been... Mm-hmm, that has actually been a way for us to measure our social progress. Because honestly, mm. before, let's say 1980, blah, 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 um, <laughs> there were maybe 
like three or four or five black intellectuals you could point to and say they're mm-hmm. determining the course of of the discourse around blackness in America. They mm-hmm. they are shaping how we understand ourselves and how we should be understood within this kind of complex historical uh, uh, set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now you can point to ten, maybe even fifteen. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. and I can point to Pulitzer Prize winners, and I can point to uh, mm-hmm. uh, people who won the Peace Prize, or I can point mm-hmm. to um, I can point to several people at different levels of the culture, who, or rather, who have different levels of access to popular culture, who in who at least in the in the in the, in the ivory tower, mm-hmm. have made significant uh, contributions to our understand our historical understandings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's easy. I don't think that's easily knocked down. I'm sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. Hey, thank you, thank you, Travis. I was just thinking about what you were saying, sir. And I think that representation has never ever been enough in terms of just where people are. It's what they do with that influence, right? And it's how they do it, and it's how we measure. When I say we, I'm actually speaking about Black folks versus all people. Mm-hmm. Well, how that person got there. I think the um, to. To comment on what you're saying, Travis, about that moment, the Obama moment, sort of just being, ah, you know, rapidly consumed or subsumed or just pushed out or minimized or reduced to something as a blip was because it seemed as if the moment Obama declared his candidacy, he was getting death threats. Mm-hmm. The, he's, and we've talked about this before on the show and other places as well, where people criticize Obama for his being black as opposed to his policies primarily. Mm-hmm. And it's largely been mainstream media and largely mm-hmm. been the conservatives, the right, and the mm-hmm. extreme, mm-hmm. right? And there's, in, in, in the kerfuffle of all that and the den, there's just so much, there's so many more ways to hold and to really gauge what progress looks like for black people in America. And it's often, we have a black president. Oh, that means there's no more racism. You get that kind of racial reasoning, that ignorance. Yeah. Because then it, it just minimizes and reduces that moment when it's a part of a longer river of resistance, mm-hmm. constantly flowing, constantly developing, constantly. I mean, when I think about people who in the academy, there's so many people in the academy doing amazing work. But there's like there's Henry Louis Gates, there's Cornel West, there's these people who've gone on TV and are talking heads and make commands, obscene amounts of money. But what do they do with it? What are they doing with that influence? How are they how are they leveraging it to really kind of benefit um, racial progress? Well, I think Cornell yeah. West put out a hip hop album. Oh, you went there. <laughs> Damn. That's a whole, okay. That is an entire okay. that's an entire podcast. Right? I'm writing these stories down okay. right now. That's a hard R. Okay. <laughs> that's a very hard R. <laughs> Wow, that's good. That's good. Yes. Damn. Okay. Okay. But but here, but, but I would say but I would say that in answer to Stephen's um, query, that perhaps you know yes, the the degree to which we can make money is a kind of floating signifier because it might mean one thing, it might mean another. It, mm-hmm. I see a lot of black folks honestly wasting it on bling. I mean, it's like Kanye mm. said. Um, I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven, woke up, and I spent it on a necklace. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that happens. My, mm-hmm. my, and I think I want to stick with academia, because one, one way that, that sort of prominence in academia is, is a metric of progress in that it's, not, it's vis-a-vis what Stephen has brought up. 
Progress in academia has, at least among people like Ta-Nehisi Coates and Jelani Cobb, helped to shape the ways that we understand where we are in time and space. And I just feel like that is actually a, a measure of progress in that they are taken mm -hmm. seriously. Like when mm -hmm. uh, we want to understand, when we go to people to understand what is happening with Kanye West right now, like we go to Tainahisi and he makes sense of that for us. And I think that mm -hmm. that, as opposed to going to, I don't know, um, Ben Shapiro uh, or, you know, or, or Laura Ingraham, I, I think that that, that that means something. Mm. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. I, th I, I think, you know, from, from my point of view, shit takes a really long time. It takes a really, really, really long time oh. for things to move. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you, you said, I think you, you know, throwing out numbers like there's three people and now there are 15. And, you know, I, I, I do still fundamentally believe in the abilities, not, not the sovereign ability and not the sort of authoritarian ability, but the ability of elites and intellectuals to move culture and to push it. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, there are a lot of other factors involved. There are a lot of other things that muddy the waters and get in the way. But yeah, I think the I think black intellectuals and their visibility um, uh, and and not visibility on TV. But I mean, so just think of like, you know, sort of fill in the blank in a, a black history class, how many undergraduates are moving through that class in a single at a single university in a single year? A thousand, you know, twelve hundred. And I mean, at one place, I, I see a skeptical look on Stephen's face. Please jump in. Yes, it is. And so I was just thinking about how um, black studies came to um, came to being in the late 60s. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of the collections that um, I used to manage at the Schomburg Center talk about the, pro the process of installing those black history programs at different universities, mm -hmm. California, Yale, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And they're interesting because I think of, at one point, black history and Africana studies was simply for black people, meaning black people were taking those classes. They weren't, you know, requiring mm -hmm. classes, mm -hmm. right? So so we've got like maybe four, how many years now? Um, 52, so that's, what is it? Roughly about 50 years mm -hmm. of education in the school where we're talking about blackness right and mm. i think on cnn the other day i'm listening to an argument about a guy out in arizona who says we should not be teaching you know chicana studies chicano studies we should not be teaching black studies we should just be teaching american history right. those mm -hmm. arguments have a hard time dying down right and the reason why we're <laughs> teaching those things obviously is because they're not included in the curriculum mm. or they're included in the curriculum in very small minimal ways you're right I, but so, that's still movement though that's still it's a very it's you know it's a small song I'm, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but it's like dun, 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 they keep telling me to go slow. No, no, and, I'm, sa I'm saying I, I'm saying go fast, but from the point of view of history, it's going to look slow. It definitely feels slow in the body. Mm, it does, mm, and in the heart, mm -hmm. and and the hev the heaviness, particularly when, like a week last week, when I was thinking about the Yale student, where the white student called um, the police on the sleeping black Yale uh, student, yeah, and that she had done it. That she had done it before with another student who was just uh, in the building. No, no. Just like those things accumulate and they become very frustrating. And it's very hard to see the progress at times. And so I do know what you mean and I still feel it. Yeah. I feel the, the yeah, pain I, of it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, Seth, please. Excuse me. I just wanted to say that I think that that's one of the things, too, that the blackening addresses um, 
sort of sotto voce. It's um, what it does is actually giving it's giving black people a place to sort of it's a, it's a bit of a safety valve, right? It lets off some of that steam that builds up precisely because we deal mm. almost daily um, uh, with situations like the one Stephen just mentioned about the woman asleep in a common area in the, on, on the Yale campus um, building. I feel like the blackening was a way of saying to us and kind of letting in other people on the humor yeah. and saying, hey, you know, this is how we laugh with each other because this shit out here is not easy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 and we need these moments where we can sort of point at how we represent ourselves to ourselves and say, yeah, you know what? We need to do this shit sometimes, you know, uh, but hey, it's funny too. It's very funny. And humor has been, like you said, has allowed that vow to, you know, to let go of some of that, to let go of some of that frustration and just laugh at it because if you weren't laughing, what would you be doing? You'd be in a corner, curled up, <laughs> weeping, gnashing teeth, tearing clothes, talking yeah. shit. And you may not just tear, you just may not be tearing up yourself. You might be tearing up some other people. That's so, right. That's, exactly that's the right. thing. I think that that's what I was trying to get at. It feels very, um, at times, that the progress part of it is that. Yes, I'm able to travel the country. I'm able to do certain things, but then there are these. They're not even microaggressions. They're just outright hostile acts. Right? Yeah, it's not you micro. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think I think it's appropriate to just have you guys have the last word given the topic. So I'm not going to add anything. But I oh, think we come are. On, I Travis. think we are. I think we are out of time. This is no, essential no. blackness, Travis. Come on, you can say whatever you want. Did you come up with the, the blackout? I mean, with the <laughs> black off. <laughs> the black, the off. black off. Come on, no, no. I love, no. I love that. I love that. That was a great line. Thank that you. Was, uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually, I actually just don't have anything to add. I, I, I hear okay. both of you, and I think, uh, I think, yeah, it's nothing wrong with wanting shit to hurry up and move, um, because it's not microaggressions. It's three Yale police officers showing up because you fell asleep. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. like, I just that's like, insanity. That no, is, that's a great, that's yeah, just madness. That is just madness. Yeah. Um, so, uh, everyone, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Seth and Steven, uh, I look forward to speaking to uh, one of you next week. All right. Great. Thank you. See you soon. Have a great week, guys. You too.